Favorites. I'm Justin. I'm Paul. I was using my How's it going? I was using my hands to talk. You were... <laughs> is that is that a typical Tarantino trick? Yes. Talking with your hands. Yes, that's what you do in Tarantino. Because every every motion, everything in a Tarantino means something. I'm sure hand talking is some reference to some old film. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that there is some kind of. Uh, there's somebody out there like like keeping track of all the hand motions in the Kill Bill series. Yep. Do you remember when the bride pointed this way? Yeah. It meant that she was gonna go to the east. Yeah. That's what it meant. But also, it also means stage, stage 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 right for so it references Broadway. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um... Broadway. Because like, you're such a big Broadway person. He likes music. Um, sure. Anyways, if you don't know why we're talking about Quentin Tarantino, or you don't know why we're here, uh, this is actually a podcast where we uh, we find a topic, we do a little bit of research, and we like to just talk about that topic. We just like talking a lot. That's kind of what it is. And today's topic is Quentin Tarantino. What is our favorite movie by him? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, we are doing our yeah, our favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, we do like to warm ourselves up, though, with mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of a surprise topic, and I've got one for you. You do, but we uh, have to talk about something else before we get to that point, because we have a lot of other things true. that we do that, are. that our listeners might not know about. That's <laughs> like, right. Like... Well, I mean, besides this podcast, Justin, we are offering a bunch of more stuff on our Patreon page. And if you haven't gone over there, you should definitely check it out. It's patreon.com slash playing favorites. You can become a patron like Mac 40 K painting and Josh Benoit and all of our other honorable mentions. And we appreciate your support, everybody. So we thank you and uh, we look forward to continuing making good stuff. Yeah, we have some awesome bonus episodes coming out this month. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can talk about that more, but uh, one other thing too, I want to mention though, there is this really cool book. That's out by one of our fans that we've been we kind of been kind of promoting for a little bit for the last few weeks. Uh, it's a Lama Apocalypse. Um, I think it'll be a nice distraction if you want to le- see an awesome cover uh, and read uh, some. <laughs> Justin, you love this cover. I love it. It's great. Uh, but the book the book sounds really awesome. It, it looks really good, and I think uh, our listeners would really like it. So check it out. Um, you can find it on Amazon. We'll have a link in our description. So we just, well, that's our housekeeping of the day, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. now you can do your subscribe stock. And we had we had to do that first. Well, I wasn't doing it out of order, Justin. <laughs> I was letting the listener put it together, just like so much of Tarantino's <laughs> good, filmmaking. You know, we just kind of do things a little bit out of order. And, uh, and the listener. So you're, are you going to give your, are we giving your favorite first? Is that what you're doing? And then we're going to see how we got there. <laughs> I'm just going to say. True romance. Uh, no, we're, we're not. I'm, I'm just gonna make some. I'm gonna lay some ground rules down. Not that ground I, rules. We, we we need them. But you know, no, this is, we used to say this is a podcast with no rules. We just like to talk. But here's one rule: we're not gonna talk about the like episode of ER that Tarantino directed. We're not gonna talk about 
you know, the CSI episode or, um, you know, the things that he, like, maybe co-wrote or, like, screenplays directed. You're talking directions. about movies that are his and his alone, like the ones that he basically wrote and directed himself. Um, and that's not a terribly huge list, so we're going to be having some fun here. We might have some overlap, and that's okay. Because yeah, these movies are generally great and uh, yes. fun to talk about. So. Yeah, but I'm curious when we line up, though. We do have different ones to say. Like, I'm really curious where it's going to go. I, you know, yeah, we line, we line up a lot, but I think there's sometimes we kind of defer. We, we have a difference of opinion of what we love or, or really have a maybe a history with, you know. Sure, sure. But, uh, but I, I'm curious what your surprise topic is going to be. Like, I, that's I the two. one thing. You have two. I have two. I was hoping you'd give me like some Quentin Tarantino facts. That's what I was hoping for today. Oh, Tarantino facts? Yeah. I, I was I was giving you one earlier, and I'll and I'll, I'll give it again. And uh, his first movie is a partially lost movie made in the '80s. Uh, like one of those first things that he created, uh, where he was like director, writer. Producer, I don't know if you can call yourself producer if, it's, if the movie's like 35 minutes long, but sure, he he was everything for this movie. It was called My Best Friend's Birthday. It's actually the um, kind of the same story as True Romance, uh, which would later be like one of the first movies that he would get uh, the chance to write for. Um, I think Tony Scott was the director for True True Romance, but. Um, he has been in and out of the, the like the film industry really since then, and just it's amazing to think like this guy's career has kind of like spanned most of our lives. Like we've kind of watched this particular director like grow and and see like uh, a lot of his films, um, and just how like crazy he kind of chooses topics. Like like what's he gonna do next is always kind of like the. The, uh, the saying with Tarantino is like, what kind of topic is he going to tackle? What is he going to do next, Paul? Uh, as of right now, he said that he was going to retire after The Hateful Eight, and then he said he was going to retire after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we're, I think we're in a retirement no, he, mode. Isn't he working on a Star Trek movie? Don't you know about this? Star Trek movie? No, you didn't You no. didn't know about the Star Trek movie he's supposedly making? What Star Trek movie? Yeah, he's making a Star Trek movie. That's the that's been like, been talked about for a little while. I'm surprised you didn't know. That must be in the rumor mill because I doubt that's actually going to happen. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You you give me your surprise topic and I'm going to find information. I know I've been seeing stuff you about you this. find that out, but no, this might. All right, so <laughs> I have two surprise topics for you. I can't imagine him doing a, a Star Trek movie though. That seems I don't know. August seventh, so Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie plot revealed. Wow, it's, so it's good to be proven wrong so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely proven wrong. Yep, it's uh, it, it would. Uh, <laughs> uh, it tell would, me about well, it. it says, it, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not happening. Maybe it was going to happen, and maybe it's not because, well, maybe it stopped because of COVID. Who knows? But the headline is Star Trek would have involved way more old timey gangsters than expected. <laughs> That's what the headline is. It's from, it's from Collider. Colli this is from Collider, um, which is I don't think is a bad uh, site to get information from. But um, yeah, so I I, I I thought you would have known about that. It's been it has never been like officially like oh this is a release day here's a teaser here's where it's coming out. But it's always been talked about as if it was heading in that direction. I think honestly I think it only uh, it only didn't happen because of uh, what you call it because um. Uh, 
COVID. But I, I, I'll check on her break, and we'll we'll confirm that okay. statement of mine. I just I had to bring it up because I would love to see a, I, a Star Trek movie by him. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would too. I would obviously be fascinated by this. So yeah, um, but my first um, surprise topic for you, Justin. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm focused uh, now. This is a it's a big one. I mean, it's it's hard not to talk about his movies and 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 not talk about the music. And my question for you is, which movie do you think, in your opinion, has the best soundtrack? Mm. Uh, this is such a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't give you a tough question. Right see, off the see bat. the hard the hard thing with the is Quentin Tarantino. Is he 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 brings in so much like music and song and and like references. It's just like it's not it's not like it's a new score, right? It's it's just like he's using these like I like this song. It's a song that you know of. It fits this scene. That's like that's his way of directing. Is the song almost comes first, and then the yep. scene is sort of created based on that song, and, and what. While you're thinking about your answer, I do have another Tarantino fact for you. I, 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 I guess I've been just saving them up. I didn't expect to give them right away. But here's one for you. Um, in yeah, like his his um, the way that he you know plots movies, like he's he's already like planning the scene with the music already in mind. You know what I mean? Like so he's kind of like like this like this scene will unfold and it'll be like this part in the song. He's very, it's very much like tied together, like the way he looks at like music and filmmaking. But what I didn't know was that when they're not actually filming between cuts, he is playing music that he and I and I saw this in an interview with Jamie Fox um, that he he's playing music specifically to elicit kind of like a certain mood of the actors and like the people like all involved in the in the filming, like while it's not being filmed. So, like, you do the shot, and then, like, there's music playing when you're not filming, and that kind of, like, sets the mood. Yeah, so I guess no, I in, get that. In, like, in, in Django Unchained, there's a very, like, like really hard scene to watch and a, a very hard scene to film uh, where um, Hilde, Broomhilda, is being whipped um, by an overseer. Yep. And it's it's very, like, harrowing for the people and, the, and like, the cast and the crew uh, watching it. So like in the in the background, this is what Jamie Foxx had said in his interview was that like like Tarantino had picked like a, a specific like like gospel song like a soul song um, I think it's called No Weapons and it's it, it, it like kind of like I don't know it made people who were dealing with like filming this kind of like ugly act like kind of reconcile it I don't know and like like kind of able to process it and 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 almost like get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it made it easier for them well, to kind of and do that's it. It's like, the big thing. is like, I think a lot of the music he picks helps you get through these, a lot of these uncomfortable scenes he does. You know, it's like, it almost adds a, le, a, le, a, le, a, le, uh, a levity to this horrific act, right? Um, sure. You know, it's sure. just like, it's just like the music and the, the, the scene and the, the stage. It's like, you think of all the different scenes you see in Pulp Fiction and how those songs really kind of really help get you through those. Like, it almost makes it more, I don't want to say, like, comedic, even though it is funny. It's like the dark comedy funny. But it almost makes you, like, or it makes you enjoy it more and not be disgusted by it. Um, yeah, because silence would be worse. 
right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's or, like it, it, it gives you a soundtrack to, to kind of like, like, like distract you maybe and put you in the right mindset. Well, what's crazy is he's like doing it with just like real life between the cuts, you know, yeah. like he's doing yeah. it for like the actors and the crew, like, you know, like. I want everybody to be thinking like in this way. Like I want everybody to be like, you know, on the same like wavelength. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought that's really cool. Like I, I, I've always known like music was so important to his directing, but not just like in between the cuts, you yeah. know, like he's, he's got like a whole playlist of soundtrack for like what happens when you're not filming, you know, that's, that's, so, that's, that's crazy. So cool. That's a lot of attention paid. I, but I, I mean, if you've heard the guy talk, it makes sense. When, when it comes to music though, I mean, I think, the Kill Bill movies just really, really, really get get me the most. I mean, I, it's like toss up between that or or Pulp Fiction, I guess. I mean, I think they just like they stand out more to me. Um, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack was huge, I think, when it came out. From what I remember, like everyone yes. everyone talked about it. But I love the music choices in Kill Bill. And talk about like you know setting the stage and seeing not having the music and having it. It's like I remember the you know you you start talking about the end of the movie, well, maybe we'll probably talk about more later, but, like, really there's a point where they're, they're fighting at the end of the movie, and there's awesome music, but then they just, there is no music for, like, five five minutes. It is just silence and fighting. Yeah. The, and the there's, it's his very, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just such a different take, or, or even, no, even before that, with the with the Crazy 88, it's, like, there is a lot, it's just violence. There's, like, for, for, a, for a good amount of time, there's music at points, but but there is a lot of silence, too, and you kind of, understand the horror of the act when that music goes away which is mm -hmm. you know it's such a you know sound has a huge part on your visual experience and he knows how to do that in such a different way unlike using like the you know the right kind of like instrument to pull your heartstring like he does this in a very like almost like completely different way it's like he's like i'm not going to make you sad or uh, uncomfortable i'm going to make you enjoy what what you're watching and the music almost helps with that i'm going to give you something that yeah, I'm gonna give you something that fits in with this like completely and and, yeah. and makes this scene more believable. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. It's not like he's pulling at heartstrings. He's pulling, he's pulling at your like I don't know. He's like appealing to your. When, know, when he does pull your when he does pull your heartstrings in these mo in movies though, usually there's not music. Like those are the kind of the gut wrenching scenes. Sometimes, Sometimes. I mean, sure. I, I, there's some Sometimes that there's music, but there's some that stick to like there's some that stick reserved. to mind. There's some that stick to mind. Mm -hmm. That's, but uh, I'm sure we'll we'll dive into that more. But what is your um, other surprise topic? I guess. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you my my oh, answer yeah. to my own topic was was also like a, was Pulp Fiction. Like Kill Bill is great, absolutely. Pulp Fiction was the, one of the first soundtracks I owned. Mm. I think it was the first soundtrack I owned, and it was oh my god! Like a lot of the songs on there were not like um, like very popular songs. I mean, it's one of them was like a, a remake of a Neil Diamond song, that "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon," that Uma Thurman kind of like sings and like uh, rocks out to in the movie. But they're good versions of the song, and it, it's weird because it's it's kind of like a an old timey, even though it's set in like the modern day, it still it's feels 70s. like kind of dated you know like it yeah. feels like it's um vintage almost i wouldn't say like out of like dated but it feels like vintage uh it's, it's wise beyond its years already but um oh man like talk about like I, I always think of the um the part in the pawn shop where 
what's it, Bruce Willis's character, Bruce Willis and uh, Ving Rhames, Marcellus Wallace, they're about to be taken in by the um, Zed and mm-hmm. his uh, friend there. And when they take Marcellus and then they close the door, it's like that slow motion. Oh, yeah, that's so good. It's so good. You know exactly when you hear that music, you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I have like a. But like the, 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 and again, and again that. like that that whole scene would be more ominous if you just had like nothing of sound or like a yep. different score. Like, note, like a, yeah, it's like, like, like that. Like, it would be very different. Where that just sort of like, because you know in your head like they're gonna get out of it, like right? You know you don't. Well, maybe you don't know if like Marcel Wallace will, but like, oh, man, we're gonna we're getting so deep into these movies already. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, that, that, that is what I loved about the about Pulp Fiction is 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 that kind of like. I, I can think of the scene, and automatically I think of the of the music of that sure. scene, and I have like a very clear picture of how it how it uh, played out. So kudos to him for that. Uh, the only other one I'll mention is Django Unchained because that's an awesome soundtrack. Yes, yeah, very it very, does, very it, new to me though. I mean, we'll t- I'll talk about that. I just watched this oh, like for this oh, episode. Man, I'm very excited <laughs> to talk about that. It's <laughs> my first time watching it within the past week, so uh, we'll be probably dive into that soon. Um, excellent, excellent. But, so we can get to our break, though. What is the other surprise topic? Because I need a, uh, I need a break. Sure. Which movie has the best conversation? <laughs> best, I would, I would say, yeah, like off-the-cuff like conversation. Because there's a lot of these in, in, in the movies, in his movies, where it's just like, like they're just talking. They're just talking. Like, um, like a, in the, oh, in the opening, the yeah, opening of Reservoir Dogs, you know, like where they're talking about Madonna's Like a Virgin. Like it has nothing to do with the oh, just movie, but yeah, just, just like normal learn about the character. Yeah. yeah, I I I love I love uh, I'm trying to remember the characters' names. Um, Samuel Jackson and, and John uh, uh, John Travolta. Travolta. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, the you know the whole like you know the conversation about quarter pounders and McDonald's and and just it, but they they have that throughout the movies, right? It's like it's not just that. It's just like like they have the whole religious conversation and things like that, like. It's like a true like, like they're not really foot. They're not really friends, but like they ha- they they know each other so well. It's like a coworker conversation. Like it's like, yep. like you know, it's it's so well done and it fits so well for what they're doing. And and I, I don't know. It's just like I feel like that those those ones always will always will stand out. Um. So I think yeah that 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 whole car ride in general, like them in the car, is probably my favorite conversation. That that's just Royale with cheese. Yeah, I do. I, I I agree with you, and yeah, they're 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 philosophical like talk about you know religion and whatnot in the in the end. That's that's great. It's like you're watching them become friends. Like they were like work friends, yeah, and now they're like kind of like taking the next step and being like real friends. Um, but the only other conversation I want to uh, mention is the is Bill's description of Superman in mm. Kill Bill Volume Two. That, that, that whole that end is like, awesome. That's an awesome conversation. It right? is. It's just like, it's just, uh, what's his name? Um, David Carradine just chewing up the scene. Yeah, just so good. being himself. And, and, and it's like Tarantino's you know make, words in his mouth. Like, make it a they sandwich. work really well. Like, making a sandwich? Like, literally, that's what he's yes, doing. Yep. He's making a sandwich. Yep. <laughs> For some reason, that sandwich looks so good. I gotta say, like, just the way he makes it, like, it just, the sound effects. Really, because there really isn't a lot of music in that part, right? You're just here to make a sandwich and him talking. That's the crust, the crust saw. Yeah, he's making like the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
He's using like an enormous knife yeah. while he does it, of course. So, <laughs> but yeah, like the idea, like that Superman, it, like like Clark Kent is the disguise that Superman puts on. I was mm-hmm. like, what what villain at the end of a of a movie talks like this about these kinds of things, mm-hmm. and like using that as like a description to say like th- like you're Superman and you're trying to put on a costume like Clark Kent, like you're trying to hide who you are. That's a killer who kills for large sums of money. Like that, I love David Carey yeah. doing that. But all right, Justin, thank you for indulging my two surprise topics. Yeah, I, I know I was so like, much to maybe, talk about. They brought me back to when we used to do two surprise topics back in the day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> we each came to the table with one. But um, all right, let's talk about Quentin Tarantino movies some more. We'll be right back. Yep. And we're back. All right, Justin. Very excited. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Could you tell me what your first honorable mention is of favorite Quentin Tarantino movies? At first, first, I want I, to be able to do the scene. I need to turn some. We need. We should have some music on or something, right? To be able to to give. Yes, we should. But uh, anyways, so you're going to help me a little bit because I, I try to like. I wanted to rewatch some Tarantino movies. It's been actually been some quite some time for some of them that I want to talk about today. So you're gonna to have to help me remember things because it's okay. been a long time. Um, I'm good at that. So you've already you actually brought this one up. My first my first honorable mention will be uh, the second Quentin Tarantino movie I ever watched, and I think I've only watched it one time. So that's why you're gonna to have to help me out. And that's, okay. that's Reservoir Dogs. I love, oh, really? I loved, okay. I loved Reservoir Dogs when I first watched it, and wow, uh, yeah, and I, 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 I just went through a bunch of clips again, just to see like what made me like kind of like what made that stick, and I, it's just something about that type of storytelling, how like contained and focused it was. And obviously, when it first came out, though, what we I think when I first saw it, I mean, because that was before Pulp Fiction, or is that yes, right? Yeah, that's his first, yeah, major. So I had already watched Pulp yep. Fiction by this point, hadn't seen Wes of Our Dogs yet. So then I had okay. watched it in college. So like that's sort of my 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 delivery of that movie, I guess. And I, like it just really like it really hit like like it just the I guess like the violence of that, just the 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 vibe of it, just. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the whole Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, and you said the conversation of them talking in the beginning. It's like, it's like I, I was re-watching the trailer. I mean, it's a very simple movie for the most part. It's just well-acted. Yeah. Uh, very, very uncomfortable scenes. You got the, what's that one actor that's that's in a lot of Quentin Tarantino stuff? Matt, Mad, no, no, what's Michael the, Madsen. Michael Madsen. I was going to say Mad Mickelson. Yep. I knew that wasn't right. Um, and it's like, you have so many, like the way they handle violence in that movie was just so intense and so harsh, but it it just, it makes me think of Quentin Tarantino movies. Like whenever I think of Quentin Tarantino, I like, like Reservoir Dog just pops in my head because I just sort of always attach that movie. I mean, granted, yeah, any movie he makes does, but like, I think because it was one of the early ones I watched, it, it just has always stuck with me. And uh, I, I have much. I, I don't have a lot to really talk about because, again, like it's a simple movie. It's just, I think, just the characters did so well with each other and acted so well with each other that it just kind of like, just you know, made a mark. Only, like again, only watched it one time, but I, I, I remember loving that movie. I mean, it's a real ensemble uh, cast too. 
it's like Steve Buscemi, right? Is Mr. Pink, mm-hmm. and I love his his begin like in the beginning there when they're they're uh, talking about the job, and he's like, why do I have to be Mr. Pink? He's like, can't I just be like Mr. Black? He's like, Mr. Black sounds cooler. Can we all agree? I'll just be Mr. Black. And he's like, no, you're Mr. Pink. Mr. Black's on another job. Like well, Mr. Purple. Is, Mr. Uh, Purple. Mr. Purple's on another job. I actually watched. I actually watched that clip uh, right before. The, that's what I was researching before our show was. Uh, just watching a bunch of clips from uh, Reservoir Dogs just to remember it, but yeah, no, it's and, uh, it's so like good. Harvey Keitel, yep, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, and I love Tim Tim Roth's description of the like the boss. Um, I forget he's um, also Chris Penn is in the movie. Sean Penn's brother, he mm-hmm. plays the son mm-hmm. of the of the big boss, and um, but Tim Roth is talking about him. He's describing him to because he's an undercover cop. He's describing him to his like contact dude, um, who I've never seen in any other movie before. I don't know who that guy is. Who was his like contact? Who was trying to like train him to infiltrate and be a good undercover cop? That's probably I don't really remember too much of uh, is um, that whole thing. Any, anyway, he uh, he's he asks he's like, well, how would you describe like the big boss? And he's like. He's like the thing from Fantastic Four. He's like trying to describe him. He's like he's just this huge, like just a solid rock dude. And the way he talks, he's just, it's just like he really is like the thing. Uh, he's like, no, you can't be Mr. Purple. Mr. Purple's on another job. Like just the way he's got yeah. that accent. So well, crazy. yeah, the end of that scene too. It's just funny. It's like uh, he just starts like mutter. He just starts muttering. Like you can't really see him very well. He's like, oh, it's so hot in here. I can't can't talk in this place. <laughs> Like, that's the one thing about that. Apparently that. That well, the one thing I'll say about Quentin Tarantino is like it's like it's that little extra context of the of the line, right? That little extra, like it doesn't really need to be there, but it just it just it fits the character. It makes sense. Who knows? Maybe it was added by that actor. Who knows if it was a Quentin Tarantino line? I don't mean you don't you don't know that sometimes. And yeah, that and like what works and what stays in the movie is clearly what he thinks like would fit well. Right. And, and like, yeah, you do you like, especially for that dude, um, who I remember seeing this whole feature about, about him, that actor being like notoriously difficult to work with. And Quentin Tarantino knowing this still like wanted him in the movie and wanted him to make sure like wanted to like, like use him to the you know to his potential. I think it's like Lawrence Tierney. Is that a is that the guy? Oh, the boss guy. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence Tierney. Um, and he's just like, oh, you could tell that he was um this hulk like this hulking dude who was clearly like always in charge, and just the way he talks to the guys, they're kind of like even though like Chris Penn is the only one that's his son. They all kind of treat him kind of like as a dad. They're like listening to him. And Harvey Keitel is kind of like his right-hand man and like their close like family. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's funny because as like from the, on the surface, like the movie, yeah, like you said, there's not much that happens, but there's all these like past interconnections and relationships that yeah. come to the, like come, you know, out in the end because Tim Roth shoots Michael Madsen's character after he cuts the ear off of the police officer. Yep. Which I know that Tarantino violence was like a big thing. And like, you know, when this movie came out and then Pulp Fiction, they're like, oh, Tarantino is known. You know, he's people know him because of just how violent his movies are. And it's like, you're missing the point. Like the violence is part of it. But like, that's just one facet of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, 
when um, uh, when this uh, oh, I forgot what I was talking about. I lost <laughs> my train of thought just then. <laughs> well, I mean, about, oh, 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 Sean Penn and Chris Penn, Chris Penn. They all kind of like um, when Michael Madsen's character is is killed. That's like one of the my favorite conversations is Chris Penn talking to Tim Roth and Harvey Keitel. He's like, so this guy who you just killed, he said that he was going to um, that he was working with the cops. This guy who just did time for us and who could have flipped at any time just decided like you can see like Chris Penn getting like more and more upset. Mm-hmm. And then they're all like pointing guns at each other by the end of it. It's yeah. a solid movie. It's yeah. got its ups and downs, but it's a really solid movie. I mean, I think I just enjoyed the ride and like after looking at the whole catalog, I'm sure this I mean, I this is just you know, we, we talk about these things, it's like our favorite ones, right? It's like I mean, I know there's better Quentin Tarantino movie, Tarantino movies out there than Reservoir Dogs, but this one, this one just like nostalgically sticks with me. And the fact that like I just think about it once in a while, just because I've watched it one time, like I just, I, I think it's just a, it, it really kind of set the tone to where Quentin Tarantino's directing would go. Like you mentioned, he had all these other movies, but prior to that, right? It's like I don't really look at those as his as his uh, as a Quentin Tarantino movie. I guess it doesn't really. I don't think of the ones that are older, I guess, before Reservoir Dogs too much. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, but there there aren't any before Reservoir Dogs. That's his very first one? I thought there was, there was another one. First... I thought you said there was another one. Oh, I thought there was another one. I mean, he, he wrote uh, he wrote True Lies, not True Lies, uh, True Romance. Oh, I was, else, yes, I was thinking first... of that. I didn't know that was his first, first one. I thought that like, yeah, he had done... Yeah, the first movie he directed and and wrote. Like, oh, and, and of course he acts in that, too. He's like Mr. Brown, and he, he dies in the That's car. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. I like, you know what, people people always like give him shit for, for being in his movies, and I'm like, I like the characters that he chooses, because they're like nobodies that die. Yep. Like, they're just somebody, yep. you know? Even yeah. even his character in From Dusk Till Dawn, where he was just a producer <laughs> on that, he he dies and he dies uh, as a vampire. So, but, uh, and George Clooney has to kill him. But no, it's a it's 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 a, it's a fun movie. I I think it's uh you know, I don't know. I just I like it a lot. I don't know. I, I don't. I guess I don't have much else no, to say about it. <laughs> it. It was it was it was certainly something that like I, I mean I remember when my brother saw this movie. And it was um, before, I mean, it was before Pulp Fiction came out. And I remember him talking about it, like talking a little bit to me about it, saying like, this is a really, it was like a really interesting movie. It was like, it was very violent, but it was very like cool Mm -hmm. in a weird way. And it was just like, it was the conversation. Now I feel like we take that for granted in movies where we get these kind of like character moments and like spend time like learning about the characters by giving them like a topic to talk about. In the beginning of this movie, they're talking about Madonna's Like a Virgin song and like their yep. interpretation of that song. Yeah. It's like, well, who really cares about that? Is that really important to the movie? No, but well, you learn about the characters. It's interesting too because, because like he's he's told they're told not to talk about their like their 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 lives or their their mm-hmm. past jobs or anything, and not to yep. try to create. So they what do they find that they can talk about that's not? It's water cooler talk, and it makes sense. Yep. You know, it's like it actually makes sense for the rest they're of it. And that's entire, why. And, and when 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 that whole like all the information comes to light right at the end, which is really quick and really fast, but like when all that information, because you don't know anyone's past or history or anything, it sort of just it delivers really well. Like it, like that that kind of like end standoff where you have all these people that know each other, 
but he's defending this one dude that's like he thinks doesn't deserve to die because he like Harvey Cattell is just thinking that. And yeah, it's like it's it's sort of like oh well that, that it was a very easy answer because you know he's a cop at the end, but like I like the fact that he tells him anyway. Like the cops like. Oh, I know that's such a sad scene. He's like Larry, I'm a cop. Yeah. So I just oh, poor Harvey Keitel. It was just oh. I just oh I just it makes me want to watch it again because it's been a while it's a long time since I watched it, but I felt like I needed to talk about it. And out of all the ones, I wanted to bring it up. So. And Mr. Blonde there, Michael Madsen's famous scene of dancing to uh, yep. Stuck in the Middle with You. And then that's the one moment. I love that because, like, shouldn't that be a gruesome thing that Quentin Tarantino would show? But for some reason, like, the camera just, like, turns away. And you just hear the cop screaming. And then mm-hmm. he's, like, got an ear in his hand. And like, yep. okay. Certain certain stuff I'll show you, but certain stuff no you don't get. It almost it almost, it almost makes it worse though too. Like it, it like almost yeah. makes it again makes it entertaining. When he turns away, right? Yeah, like, when like, he turns away, you know it must be bad. It makes it entertaining <laughs> because I mean, just seeing that the cop look like in the aftermath is really rough to watch to begin with too. Poor yeah. poor cop. Marvin Nash. Poor Marvin Nash. He had a, um, he had a son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, okay, great, great, great choice. Um, I will tell. You, I will say my uh, my honorable mention is his second feature film debut. It's not his debut. It's second feature film, and that's Pulp Fiction. I love this movie. Mine too. I I I really. It's it's one of your honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Okay. Doing. So we can we can well, spend we, lots of time talking about this one if you want. Share it. <laughs> <laughs> but we like okay. Some of the things we've already said about it. Music really guides this movie, um, especially like that the Zed scene in the pawn shop where Butch rescues Marcellus, gets a samurai sword off of the pawn shop. I love that like weapon choosing because mm-hmm. it's something that every one of us has done when we play a video game. You're like, oh, check it out, like cool, uh, pistol, great. Oh wait, a chainsaw, hell yeah, I want the chain. <gasps> a katana, I want the katana. Like it's it's the thing you've you've done this before. There's like math in your head. Like which one do I? That's the one I want. So you you bring coming you, down with like a samurai sword. You like bring so you bring up that you bring up that scene first. That whole like I guess chapter or I forget how they I forget what they call that. Is it like a, is it chapter? Like, like Butch's story. I don't know. Like they have like they, it's like they have a title before you get into it. And I can't remember if it's called a chapter or or something like that. I can't remember. It's like a little like I think so. yeah I don't remember either. Um, because I know there's an order to them and everything, but we, um, we, well, my, my first, uh, my first year in college, I took uh, English 102 and yeah. we, we had to watch this movie for that class and I had to write a paper on this movie. <laughs> so, and the scene, the paper I had to write was on the scene with Bruce Willis, like that whole uh-huh. thing. And the whole point of the paper was to, uh, discuss, all the symbolization of him being an American hero, like his his, oh, okay. his representations, because you start looking at all the the, the uh, and I, it's been forever since I wrote this paper, so bear with me. But like a lot of the things in there, you'll notice that Bruce Willis is like, like even one shot, like it shows like there's like a blue fl- flag when he's going down the stairs, but he has a white yep. shirt. It's, it's all blood, so it's like red, white, and blue. Like, but then there's always these things where he's kind of like breaking away from it, like like that weapons choice. A lot of the things he picks up are very like American type style violence, 
but he decides to go with he decides yep. to go with the 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 foreign violence, if you would. And it's 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 it's, it's this really weird. It's like it's like kind of because he does decide to like save. Um, he is like kind of an American hero in that sense. It's such a weird way to look at it. But you start looking at the like the little visual cues and the conversations, and I, I bear with me for not remembering too much, but like it does feel like that's what they're trying to make him be this this American style here, like hopping on the motorcycle at the end with the girl at the end trying to yep. you know, <laughs> you know he, he wins that's dead, baby. like he's like he, really all the all all the characters really you think about it like there's not many of them that kind of like have a happy ending like he has this happy ending and yep. like he and is he, goes away on his merry way and he survives and but no it, it was such it, an interesting uh, thing it's crazy because he kills you know one of your you know one of our main characters and one of the ones we were pretty sympathetic to you know like he spoilers for a movie that came out you know 30 years ago almost at this point 28 years ago um he kills uh vincent vega he kills john travolta's character yep in a very like but like the the perspective had shifted you weren't watching it from uh vincent vega's perspective you were watching it from butch's and when you see him uh, you're like, oh my god, like what's going to happen? And when he kills him, you, you're not like, you're surprised, but you're not like shocked by it. Mm-hmm. I guess. I, I, I mean, like you, one of them had to die in that scene where they're basically in a standoff, and Bruce Willis is the only one with a gun. Yep. And when the pop tart comes out of the toaster, he shoots him. Yeah, um, and and what's but, what's magical, what's I, great I, about that, what, the, why you're okay with that though? Let me just say on that because that's not the end of the movie. So like you get you get Vince Vega's character again, right yes, after that. You know what I mean? He comes back. So like you didn't really lose him in your like, movie experience, right? You just lost. He dies there. You like, just know that he's he's gonna die. Yep. Yeah, but like that adds to like oh this is why this makes sense. Like you know you got oh no you got, you have a great scene in the diner uh, with him and and Samuel Jackson and and then the two uh, uh, what uh, robbers or whatever I can't remember their names. Yep. Uh, I have some clips before Honey the Bunny thing. Honey Bunny and, uh, what was it? I don't remember I the other guy's name. I love you, Honey Bunny. Yeah. Moochie Boo? Smoochie Boo? He, he calls him, <laughs> he calls him, uh, Ringo. Ringo. Samuel Jackson calls him Ringo. Yeah. Um, and Yolanda. Yolanda! Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love how he says Yolanda. Yeah. <laughs> There's little, like, the... I, I know so much about. I feel like I've seen this movie a thousand times. I used to watch all the time. It's been a while. It's been a while for me. Though. It's very episodic, so it's easy to just like pick it up and put it down again. Just like kind of watch it and, and sequence it. Uh, but um, yeah, you, yeah, you're like you're saying like you don't lose Vincent Vega, but it's still like shocking when you see him. You know, you see him die. But at the same time, like you're saying, like Bruce Willis is kind of like the hero, and in that scene with the the pawn shop. Um, I mean, like, Zed, you see, what do you know about Zed, other than, like, Zed and the pawn shop owner, all you know is that they are rapists, and that Zed has, like, a Confederate flag on his uh, keychain, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's about all, and, like, he's talking, like, in a kind of a southern drawl, and he calls Marcellus Wallace the N-word, so you kind of, like, you, it's like, it's almost as if... You, you, get, you, you, get, that what, word, you just, get that word throughout the whole entire movie, that... <laughs> They said I know, that, but like, they said it would be a lot. But, but I mean, like, coming from him in that, in that, when he was doing the eeny, meeny, miny, mo, it's very menacing. It's very, like, oh, God, like, creepy, mm-hmm. terrible. And 
for Bruce Willis to, or for Butch, Butch's character to say like, no, like he shouldn't die like this. Well, that's like, the thing. He the could, person he that could was trying left. to kill him, his enemy, but it was like, yeah, I still can't let that happen to somebody knowing what's going to happen to him. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's that, the the hero part, right? He 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 could have just he had the keys. He could just left. He got out and he decides to do a heroic thing, and and like it's it's interesting. And I, there's a lot of things I learned in that English class about this film, and it made me really appreciate the movie and more. Even though I, even though I already loved it, um, I, I can't remember some of the things. But one of the things was that it was interesting that Vince Vega did die after he loses Samuel Jackson. So like he has like almost. Like that whole exactly. philosoph- the whole philosophical thing they have, the conversation where they almost they almost do die, but for some reason the bullets don't hit them and they go around their bodies and you know in the beginning of the movie and it's like yep. you know Samuel Jackson pretty much protects him throughout the film, and the second yep. he leaves and retires, he's lost his protection and he dies in the most stupidest fashion, you know? It's yeah, like, and, and that and that's what's crazy is that like that's how much of a like a like almost like a conscience like uh samuel L. jackson was for vincent vega like why they were better as a duo than separated and then, like that's what happens when samuel L. jackson leaves like he doesn't have that protection anymore he doesn't have that person watching his back anymore in general um yeah man and i mean i'm trying to think like um other facets of the story that we haven't talked about like uma thurman's mm-hmm. plot line like that whole thing, like the tension, like the romantic tension, clear like between her and John Travolta. It, it's interesting though and because like, you always associate Bull Fiction with her character, right? But she really is only one really part, like section of it, right? It's only like the the one chapter. You don't really see she her. She does. Yeah, she comes like in like randomly, like towards the end of it. She like says like, "Oh, I didn't get a chance to thank you for uh, yeah, the other night." But like, and I, and I, I think it might have been like a deleted scene too. Where she like makes a appearance, but but, but yeah, it, like after after that, it's like like how, I I wonder like if you're sitting like writing this movie, it's like well, there's clearly like a romantic thing going on between them. Like, what's gonna stop it? What's gonna diffuse it? They can't have sex. How about a drug overdose? How about she'll snort some heroin, mm-hmm. and that'll be the focus. And it does. It like completely shifts that you like you forget all of the good stuff that happened the night like the like the whole night. It's just about keeping this mob boss's wife alive because if not, they're all dead. Like yep. everybody, like yep. John Travolta and everybody else he's talked to about it, like the, the yep. drug dealer's house that he goes to. Yeah, um, no, it's, I do, it's, it's a good, it, that's a whole good, they're all really good, but yeah, that's a, that's, that's, that's an awesome segment too. Sequence. But what, what do you mean, what is your favorite chapter, I guess, since, since we're in the, in the midst of this movie, there is, what, segment think, is your favorite Jules and Vincent in the coffee shop at the end yeah. because it's it I love I love um uh Vincent Vega's like interpretation of it he was like we got lucky like that's it and he's like he's like you're really gonna quit the life to Samuel L. Jackson to, to Jules he's like you're really gonna quit the life and he's like yes he's like I'm just gonna walk the earth and he's like they've got a name for that it's called a bum <laughs> and like he's like really like coming down hard on him and it's almost like he feels like personally like um, Samuel L. Jackson is abandoning him. Like yep. you get that kind of like you're really just like you're going to leave after all of this. Like after this crazy day we've had, you're just going to you're just going to walk away from this life. And how they handle the um, Ringo and Honey Bunny 
uh, robbing the diner. And I love that conversation between uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Tim Roth, where they're just sitting across from each other. He's got, you know, he's got him. And Yolanda's pointing the gun at him. When Vince comes out of the bathroom, he's like, Vince, put your goddamn gun down. It's like, Yolanda, Yolanda, are you with me, baby? Stay with me. And just the way he, like, he, he, he does that Ezekiel 25, 13, whatever, fake Bible quote again, but he's just like, he just says it really softly, and is like, I used to say that to strike fear into, you know, somebody before I killed them, but now I'm actually, like, really thinking about it, and I think, like, like, who am I in this, you know, in this story? Am I the shepherd? He's like, he's like, right now, I'm the tyranny of evil men, but I'm really trying to be that shepherd. He's like, so get out of here. Take my wallet. Which wallet? The one that says badass motherfucker on it. Fat wallet. Yeah. I'm sure sales for wallets that had that on that skyrocketed after this movie. Well, I guess in the well, the interesting thing I was I saw sure. a couple of little fun facts this movie when I was trying to research things, and I guess like that uh, wallet was supposed to reference obviously Shaft, like his character references mm-hmm. Shaft a lot, which is and I guess he let him uh, keep the I think he let him keep it, but I think it, it is interesting to see how Jackson eventually becomes Shaft later on yes, in, right. in his own movie. <laughs> Just be Shaft um, in a Shaft movie. Uh, back to with Thurman really quick though. I um, I guess there's a lot of actresses for that role. That was being casted. Like a lot of names, like Michelle Pfeiffer, Julie Julius oh. Julie Louis Dreyfus was, I guess, gonna do it too, really? but she couldn't do it Whoa. because of the the Seinfeld scheduling. And oh, I just goodness. I just kind of trying to picture anyone else in that role besides Uma Thurman. I, I just I can't I can't picture it. You know, it's oh. like it's she just fits it so perfectly. You know, it's like. And oh man, it's so good. Um, my, my it, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, it seems like anybody else in that world would have just been too much of a. <laughs> yes, thank you. He, thank you. I did it as he, a rectangle. Oh, uh, listeners, he did that as a visual reference as well. So if you did want to see his square, you, you almost got you almost got the the square of the overlay very well. Like it was a little small, thank you. but almost got it right. I know, I know you can't see it. I wanted, but... I wanted to be a box within the box, or a rectangle within the rectangle, but she does it as a rectangle when she says square, and it always bothers me. <laughs> I love how there's a little line that it is made, too. It's like I'm, so, I'm out like, of, like, like, so random. The one time to put like CGI in this movie, it's like just for a dotted line for her to <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on. I, I'm sure we can. Talk oh no! About my one. I wanted to say my favorite my favorite section was. Um, oh oh please please. Per- personally, I really enjoy the 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 wolf chapter. Oh, Harvey yeah. Keitel is Harvey, the yeah. wolf. Like I just love the whole like cleanup like part of it. Like it just I mean I don't have to say much about it. Just I love the uh, the conversation between uh, like well Quentin Quentin Tarantino's character again who is hilarious like. Yep. <laughs> but uh just like I, I how like Vince like John uh, Travolta is like doesn't really like Wolf at first like he's like doesn't like being boss but then he like he solely respects him by the end because he's so awesome yep and he's like a please would be nice at the beginning when he's giving them all his orders he's like excuse me he's like if I talk abruptly it's because time is of the essence so pretty please with sugar on top 
Dude, they clean the fucking car. <laughs> clean the fucking car. <laughs> I just love how they're like in the car cleaning it too. Like he's like, I'm picking up man's like, brains and all this stuff. You, we're so switching. We're switching. <laughs> we're switching. We're switching. I don't know that 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 whole that whole segment is so it's so funny to me and like oh, it's just so good. I mean, oh, there's so many good things about that movie. It's hard not to talk. It's not, it's not hard. It's hard not to talk about that movie without with a within a Quentin Tarantino uh, episode. I guess like you have to bring yeah, it up. No, absolutely, absolutely. It is one of it was one of his earliest and one of his best. I still think it's a great movie to watch. It's funny that you mentioned that you you did this in an English one hundred two class because in the I, I, I assign very much similar the same thing. And we're, like, this is one of the movies they get to pick. <laughs> a lot of them do pick it, and I have them compare and contrast different characters. Most well, of the time, yeah. they pick Jules and yeah. Vincent to uh, to do. Like, it's funny, because that's, like, the only... Like, I, I didn't do well in that class, but I did really well in that paper. Like, I was really yeah. proud. I was really... I think he gave me a B plus. So I was really happy. I was like, yay! Because he... Like, the teacher did... Like, right he, he felt bad for me. I think he's like... He's like... He pulled me aside because I was struggling in that class so bad. And, and it was my first semester of college, too. And he's just like... I, I, you should, I don't know why they put you in 102. Like, why are you in this 102? Like, you should have been in 101... I'm like, I don't know. They just told me to go to 102. Like, it's like, it just, cause my, my SAT score is really good for English, I guess. And they just like mm-hmm. threw me in there. And he's like, yeah, you, you, you're having a hard time. I'm like, yeah, I know. Cause it, it was, it was hard. <laughs> I didn't, I'm not used to writing essays every single week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But I like, no, I like but... that. I like that, uh, that, that, that topic. I was. That was a, that was a fun uh, English project, and that movie, it's a good movie. Good, great good. movie, amazing movie. All right, go, go watch it right now. Yes, stop what you're doing. Wait, no, keep listening, <laughs> and then go watch. Watch all of these after we're done. Um, please tell me, Justin, what is your other honorable mention? You took it. We shared it. That was it. We just did oh. it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well then, um, <laughs> what other oh one do you want to talk about, Paul? Uh, uh, now I'm sweating. I feel like the chess game has been put into my corner now, and I, I don't want to pick your favorite. Oh, I don't think you will. Uh, I think I think you might know what not to pick, but hopefully, but go ahead, just pick. Just go for it. Just try it out. Um, the D is silent. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so my other honorable mention, and this was very close to being my favorite because I really do love this movie. Not. What's up? I'm surprised it's not your favorite. Um, it is hard to make this choice, but I had to go with what I, you know, what, okay. Anyways, it's Django Unchained. Yep. Um, it's, it's a fictionalized movie. I mean, we know that certain parts of it are like sensationalized or extreme or like portraying slavery in the South, you know, a couple years before the civil war, but it still like reflects really the treatment of slaves in a way that makes you force that like forces you to think about what it must have been like. Yep. And not many films want to confront you with the bloody details, but this one does. So for, for everything else that I love about this movie, I think this is what I love the most about it is that it, it, it really like in a, in a, in a way, like it took uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and made him into like one of the most like heinous villains, you know, in cinema mm-hmm. and just like made you feel like, like, it, like tore you apart, like watching, watching the film and makes you think about just how terrible that time must have been 
and and how little how little really people will want to actually talk about the gruesome details of it whereas we should be kind of like facing these things and you know you can't have you can't move on without like truth and reconciliation and i feel like this movie is trying to tell us that too at the same time i don't know so that's my spiel on uh, Django, on all the other, on the on the one thing that I uh, don't usually talk about what I love about it, but that is something very important to me, is that this movie has something to say. Yes, I, I being a new, newly uh, a viewer of this movie, I guess, mm-hmm. um, I haven't really got too much of a chance to really talk about it with too many people or absorb it, but I think it, you don't really, it, you don't have to really absorb too much. I mean, you get, you get what it's trying to tell pretty easily um yeah like the 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 scenes in this movie where like some of the 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 scenes from relation to slavery like yeah they were unsettling i think one in particular was most unsettling i mean i've seen you know it doesn't i'm I'm not trying to belittle this but it's like it's not like i haven't watched a movie with someone getting like whipped with a whip before you know that you know that's that that part there is hard to watch but it's not like something i've been kind of been desensitized on the, the movie version of whipping, I guess. Um, but it's like the one scene at the end with him where he's upside down and he's hanging and he's got the little, like, what, the metal or apparatus around his head or something like that? Like, yeah. like Or like a little, like the Silence of the Lambs mask. That's what, I, that's what, I, that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, but like he, a muzzle. Yeah, but it's the camera work of that scene is really disturbing because he's naked and like it like gives you like a full blown, very like you don't even know what you're looking at shot, and then you realize yep. you're you're looking at what you know pretty much his sack and balls you know his sack, and that's about to be cut off, which is yep. very disturbing and oh ugh, it makes me kind of shiver just thinking about it. Yeah, but, and yeah, it's it's crazy and it's just like. obviously like it's this is a fictionalized account but these things are all based in some form of truth too like these things did happen and one thing that tarantino is known for is doing the research about the time period like for inglorious bastards and for Django unchained even for the kill bill movies like he he is done like he does this research um very thoroughly so that like the things that he portrays in them aren't like, it, it's not like um, I don't know, it's not like Inglorious Bastards where you kill Hitler in the end, uh, like crazy. But it's like, well, this is the kind of thing they would do to slaves. So this is the kind of thing they would do if you tried to run away. And this is the kind of thing that would happen to you, you know, if you were trying to marry in secret or something like that, or if you had an attachment to another, like a fellow slave, like. This is the kind of terrible, terrible stuff they would do to you. So the people that I, I know that I feel like this movie got flack. People saying like, like, oh, like, like this is, you know, it's sensationalizing it. It's not really like taking it seriously. And I and I, and I don't agree. I feel like it takes it very seriously. Who's, who's saying like, that? I'm just curious. Cause I haven't heard that before. I, I don't know who who is saying that it's, it's sensationalizing it. Well, because I mean, it's showing it so gratuitously, and like, like there, like the place like Candyland is not actually a place, but there are places that might share characteristics with it. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. He's kind of like I feel like he's like lumping in a lot of bad stuff into one place, where there were plenty of places that were, you know, 
maybe they had like a few of those really really bad elements here I, like i don't i don't know i'm, I'm like talking about which was the worst plantation to work on? Like, no, I have no idea. Yeah, so well, I'm not well, going to even try. The, the one impression I get from this movie, and, and I mean, it's pretty easy to say, is that it's it's a it's a story. It's it's a it's a western for one, which a western sure. itself, but like it, it just replaces. It's like it, it replaces the the main character with uh, a slave. That's really really what it is, and gives him the role of the protagonist. I mean, just just the scene, just the just the last like 15 minutes of it really kind of proves that, but you have to go on this like different journey of a Western of him. Like what, what was the difference if like you had like a, you know, the, your protagonist in an actual Western movie have to go through all these hoodlum, like horrible, like, you know, torture scenes and being like captured or whatever. Like he goes through the same stuff. It just, it shows it in a more realistic, like kind of what happened realistically back in the day and what happened to slaves and yes, they're Hollywoodizing it, but that's the whole thing. That's the thing with Quentin Tarantino movies is they're making it again. What I said before, watchable. Like this is a watchable movie. You're not. You're not. It's not like watching the Twelve Years a Slave. That's like more of a drama like representation. I know we both have not seen that movie, and we talk about it. Bring this up. I was like, <laughs> the only other movie I know that you know deals with the subject in this way is Twelve Years a Slave. Wasn't there like a I big own, mini? I've never seen. Wasn't there a big mini series when we were young too, like Roots or something like that? Yeah, Roots, Roots. Yeah, but, that was yeah pretty huge. But like this one makes it like it it still makes you understand it, but yet watchable. And then you're at least you get to root for the, 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 the them as well at the same time. You're like you're rooting for uh, um, just uh, uh, Chango, you know, throughout the entire movie, and it also gives a sense of like, okay, well, this is probably maybe more unrealistic. Is like his 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 pretty much relationship with the bounty hunter. You know, it's that's, like that's, that's probably the most un, that's like the most unrealistic thing probably in the film. I mean. Yeah, maybe you had people that were like that, but it seems like that's the part that's been fictionalized more so than anything else. I mean, yeah, that, you... that's, that somebody would come to his like you know not necessarily his aid, but would see him as like a human being. Yeah, and would you know like say like oh well why don't we enter into a partnership you know like, yeah well, that, like, that seems more far fetched than you know putting yeah. them in like the like collar apparatus with spikes coming out of it. Yeah, you know? I mean. But again, it's like, it's to try to, and then again, you have the plantations, which I'm sure those plantations didn't look so pretty and white and look so glorious and back in the day when they actually existed. But that's the point, is to show what people treated those places as. They were like castles or kingdoms or, uh, you know, they, you know, they were the kings of the, uh, of the land because they were the ones that ran the plantation. They made all the money. They're the ones that. That that like you know had had tons of slaves that you know and things. I mean, I'm kind of going off you know off tangent, but like yeah, it, it, that movie was great. I knew you were going to talk about it today. It was really really good. I mean, I, I it's hard for me to like make it my like I I knew you were going to bring up his animal favorites. There were parts of it that I, I I there were points parts of that movie though I felt it was kind of slow paced. I kind of got a little bored. At so, certain um, points, at certain points. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it reminds me of like a really old-fashioned kind of Western in that it does take yeah. its time to get to its point. And even when you get there, there's like, like the ending isn't really the ending. Like you have more, like when yeah. it's caught at the very end and 
King is uh, is killed. Like, but I mean, you have some really great performances. Um, sure. I, I I love Christoph Waltz in in Inglorious Bastards as the Jew hunter, but I think he's I, I really love him as Doctor King Schultz. Like that, and it's such a like funny. I don't know why I feel like that works. Is that he's like this German dude who meets you know like a guy who a slave whose wife speaks German and whose name is Brumhilda, like, after one of, like, you know, German, like, mythology. I, I love it. You know, the story. Yeah. Heroine, <laughs> like, heroines. Well, like, one of her, like, like I love, the, the love story between Siegfried and Brumhilda. And he's like, I feel like I am compelled. Like, this is, like, fate. Like, I have yep. to help you. Yep. Like, I, the... I like that, like, element of it. That, that, that kind of, like, fantastical element of it, uh, I, I could appreciate. I like that. Yeah, and I, 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 I love the I love, I love the story of uh, when he tells it though the um the Ch- uh, Chango is like he's like what happens next what happens next what happens next oh yes, yes. <laughs> so, like so he's so he's so he's so into it it's just funny, it's just funny to me um yep but no it, it's uh it's it's so it's so good and, and yeah I gotta say one thing about this movie though what was really kind of interesting and. I mean, I don't know if this is it's probably a spoiler to our bonus episodes later later on, but the I, I you know watching just watching the Watchmen series and then watching this and like it was like almost like like racial injustice overload, <laughs> you know? It's like yep. you know, it's that's like a, that's a hard one-two punch. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's like I'm like seriously, I'm like this is this is like all I'm like consuming for like a week and a half was. Uh, even like, I, and I think, I think I'm, I was going to double check it. I didn't get a chance to the actor, the same actor is in both movies. So the chief from Watchmen is the first Southern plantation owner. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Daddy. Yeah, yeah. Don Johnson. Yeah. From Miami Vice. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, are you serious? I, I, he's, he, he, he's playing the Ku Klux Klan person in both of these things, sort of. I mean, not quite in the Watchmen, but like. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it was kind of a secret in Watchmen, but, yes, like, <laughs> yes, Big Daddy. I just, I just, I just thought that was, uh, I just thought that was such a weird thing when I saw it. Like, are you serious? Like, so much like that. But anyways, anyways, besides the point, I did enjoy the movie. It is a great movie. The music, the music is really good. It. No, I, I, yes. I knew I would. I, I think, again, I think I waited too long to watch it. Maybe wasn't in quite the right mindset, but, like. I think I'm glad I watched it. Leonardo DiCaprio's character acting was, uh, un, uh, you know, superb to the point where it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, it's it's really good. I I honestly didn't know that Dechenko was Jamie Fox. <laughs> like I oh. yeah I I didn't register that for some odd reason, and I used to know that he did a great job. <laughs> Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. Him, and, um, yeah, I love, like, yeah, Leo DiCaprio as well. Just, like, so, like, ugh, snaky yuck. Like, just makes you, like, ugh. Like, we're, we're both human beings. Like, that kind of character is actually a human being. It's like, ugh. Gives you the shivers. But, anyways. All right. Did you, right. Did you know the one part about Leonardo DiCaprio, though, I want to bring up? About the scene where he... The one where he broke his... Yeah, he broke the, the the glass when he was like slapping, and, and it was actually and he, he was bleeding in the in the in the in the film. 
Yeah, he like really hurt himself, like like really like opened a vein, I guess, like slapping the table or he broke a glass. And then yeah, so they kept the in the film, and it's all that was real blood that was in that in that in that scene. But it, that's the not... that's the that's the take that they kept because he like yelled in such a way. Yeah, it reminded me of um, in the Lord of the Rings in Two Towers when Viggo Mortensen breaks his toe, kicking an Urukai like head. No, and they come to yeah. the pile where they see like the where they think the hobbits have been like Mary and Pippin have been killed, and he's like, he kicks it, he's like, ah! screaming, he like he broke a toe, and that was yeah. him like really like. Every that. other take was very like muted and like ah oh, no, and then that one was like ah, like <laughs> screaming like crazy. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, you well, get some good acting from that. I guess we'll have to figure out if we have the same favorite. Uh-oh. Are we in check? I don't know. Is this potential check? Potential check. <laughs> well, All right, let's, Justin. Let's take a break and find out. Hello there. Yes, you. Have you checked out our Patreon yet? It's got all sorts of fun stuff. That's right. There's a tier out there for everyone. At the two, five, and ten dollar levels, you can support the show and get perks like suggesting topics for us, submitting questions for us to answer on the air, early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, and even monthly Patreon exclusive episodes. A little help from our listeners will help us do more great stuff. So check us out on Patreon.com/slash/PlayingFavorites. Of course, there are other ways to support us. You could follow us on Twitter at PlayFavePodcast. You can subscribe. Uh, as well as give us an amazing review on iTunes or Spotify. And of course, share us with your friends and family. We're trying to create a community, and we want you to be a part. So come join us, and let's all play favorites together. And we're back. Here we are, Justin. Very end. I don't know. I think we've got a good idea of of where this conversation is going to go for our favorite. Could it, could, could it be the same name in different parts, possibly? It's very possible. Let's see. <laughs> so, Justin, because we have deemed it so, you must go first. <laughs> so, please. <laughs> could be deemed it so. My Tell answer, us. and, you know, I'll just say, like, Pulp Fiction was, been my, was always my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie for a long time. And over over time, even when this movie came out, it was kind of my favorite for a long time, but it just sort of took over after we watch of this of of uh, this film, which is Kill Bill Part One. Part One, okay, very yes. cool, very cool. Part One. Now I've actually given this as a favorite before, and that was for a favorite American martial arts film movie uh, back mm-hmm. in season one. But we could talk about it again, I guess. Um, sure. Yeah. Let's. What? It 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 just it just I guess it just. It oozes with style. Like that's like the that's like the best like description I can give it. It's that there's just something about that movie that just the inner monologues of Uma Thurman, the the acting, the the characters that are you know created, like the different. I, I just I don't like I I liked Kill Bill Part Two a lot. Don't get me wrong, and it's just something I I really kind of lean to like his. What I guess you wanted his blend of American and Eastern, like Western and Eastern, you know, kind of, what do you want to call it, samurai yeah, and Western. I lean to that Western style, that the uh, the Japanese style, the Asian kind of uh, you know element. Eastern style. Okay. Yeah, Eastern style. I get confused what it's supposed to be called. 
Um, but you know, it, you you can't really have that movie without two. But like, I still just love two as a whole. Just I, it left me so so much excitement at the end of it. We already talked about the, the crazy eighty eight fight and 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 and, and Ren. But, like, it's not even just the fight. It's just, like, the, the delivery. Like, there's not a lot of dialogue when they do the fights, which is perfect. But you get enough information. The conversations are short and sweet. Like, even when you like when you have her fighting Black Mamba, it's, like, a very kind of, like, to-the-point conversation in the beginning of the, of the, of the film. And, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's I love so... I that. Rivka Fox. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, I've never... Like, you think, like, the things, how they fight in that feels like kind of, like, um almost, like like a James Bond fight where he's, they're just using things that are in like in play, mm-hmm. but way better. Yep. You know, it's like, like, let me grab this box of cereal. And like, for some reason it makes sense. Like, it's like, let me grab this, this frying pan and like, you know, defend myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Kitchen like knife, frying pan. Yes. No, it's <laughs> like, it, it just, it, it just, the, the cinematography of that film was phenomenal. Just like the, the progression of the storytelling, like how you, 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 where you start and like again like kind of jumping around back and forth like you learn the list like technically didn't over and ren happen first right the the crazy 88 she's like the first one she technically kills then she goes to black mamba yes yes again sequencing stuff with the <coughs> yeah so he she yeah that's when she comes back over to the states yeah so she's she had gone to uh japan right to commission a sword that's yes. one of my favorite scenes from, yes. from the movie, like the Great whole scene. Hattori Hanzo scene like, at the at the actual like sushi bar, and then going up and seeing the swords and like him agreeing to make the sword for her. Like, I I I've watched that clip like on its own, like that that scene or two scenes like multiple times. It's such so well put together. But it's, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's like the whole. I don't even know how else to really kind of emphasize, like, there's so many little, like, other small things that happen in that movie that just really adds to that, too. So, obviously, you have, we've talked about this before, like, the origin story of Oren. Like, that's oh, such a... Oh, like, yes. that that in itself is, like, almost like a little, like, mini-movie. Like, you learn so much about her character, like, way more than Black... Like, that's only one thing about Black Mamba. You don't really get much of her backstory, but I guess you don't really need to. Like, it's not important anymore by that point. Um, but like Oren's backstory is, is, is amazing and almost really sets the tone for this fight that you're about to have, you know? Yep. And like, like, you know, segueing into an anime, like, like style, like kind of storytelling yeah. is so, I just, it was so, it, it was so jarring. Like you weren't expecting it, but yet it was so perfect at the same time. Like it just really I, fit. I remember seeing it in a, in a, in our campus theater <coughs> when I was in, when I was in college and I was so excited, and I and I saw it with a bunch of people, and, and the room was packed. But I, I just remember people like murmuring and like looking at each other when the, when it switched to the anime part, and I was just like, "You fools! Like this is this is perfect! Like you don't understand! Like this is exactly what it should be." Because later on, when they show her Oren Ishii like with the at the table with all of her bosses that mm-hmm. like work for her. And she like gets up on the table and runs down and like cuts the dude's head off real quick. I'm like, that's anime. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's what an anime like movie would do. I'm like, you, you're like, you're fine with this, but heaven forbid it be actually animated. Like, and, oh, and, like she does yeah. it in real life. Oh, that's yeah. different. 
And I, I love that part because she can speak English or something, and so supposedly it's like it's yep. it's it's like taboo for them because she's not fully Japanese. I think I think your mother was yes, English, she's right? Chinese, half Japanese, half Chinese, and like raised American. Like, yeah, yeah, she's she's like it's like she says something in in the Japanese traditionally, or no, she only speaks English, right? She will only talk English. She has a translator. I think that's what it was. Yes, and she's Sophie. like. I just like she just starts yelling. She's holding like, ah! and she's like so calm initially, and then she's like, "Any yes, other motherfucker?" Like... <laughs> I can't remember what the line Anything was. Anything else to say? Fucking <laughs> time. <laughs> but you're right. Like the beginning of that is like very much like on the job. Like if you have like a question about my leadership style, please, I encourage you to bring it to me. But if you ever talk about my birth or lineage again, I'll collect your fucking head. Like so good. <laughs> So good, like Lucy Liu. Like when they when I heard the casting for the like for the movie for the beginning, I was like, I was like really Lucy Liu. Like she doesn't really she never really like, came off to me as like intimidating or anything. Like a lot of like the people that were involved, like um, Daryl Hannah, and her, I was just like, like really like okay, like let's see what happens, and yeah, yeah, they managed like. Tarantino managed to make them like all the casting. And they themselves like turned out like awesome performances yeah. and like Oranish Ishii. Yeah, and then you know it's like character he, obviously he he already had like a sort of a you know with Pulp Fiction he already knew Uma Thurman but like the 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 thing that I wanted to bring up earlier even when we're talking about the other movies and it's his continuous like you know carryover of actor. Like, he kind of brings an actor from this movie, and, like, Samuel Jackson, obviously, like, he's been, like, in almost half his films, I feel like. Um, But, like, even, like, you know, it's like he always has actors that just kind of go from one movie to one movie to one movie. And, like, I love how you see the transformation of how he changes what that actor is like. You know, it's like, it's just really interesting and intriguing. Like, even Samuel Jackson, it's like, yeah, like, he always kind of plays, like, sort of a badass, but, like, even all of his characters have, like, a very different element to him you know sure, it's like sure. a little bit you know it's like it's still samuel jackson but like you know especially the one you know Sam, we didn't talk about samuel jackson from Django, unchained like his character is great but like it's different right it's not it's not like julius no. you know it's not yeah. whatever his name was from jackie brown we didn't even talk about jackie brown today but like oh that's a good movie <coughs> yeah, yeah but he's not he's not it's not like jewels in the pulp fiction at all but yeah, um, just that's one thing I appreciate with Quentin Tarantino is he he'll get actors that he knows that know how he maybe he directs and gets them like you know fit that role. It's like hey, you know what? Come and do this movie again. I like you. You know my style. Let me let's do this other role here, and he just transforms. They're not they don't become typecast. You know, it's like they become sure. a different a different character. One one other thing I will I will mention about Django is that. Um, when Samuel L. Jackson was approached to play the part that he plays in the movie, he was, he was kind of upset. Cause he was like, he's like, what happened? He's like, you should have done this movie earlier. He's like, you've done it. Like I'm too old now. I can't play Django. He's like, now I gotta, I have to be like uncle Tom. And I, and I can't even, he's like, I, I like, I have to be the thing that I hate so much. Like <laughs> instead of being the, like the hero, like the badass hero. Yeah. He's like, He's like, I aged out of it, didn't I? He's like, yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry. But if it's, it, 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 makes, it makes it so much better, I feel. It, it, like, I, lo- I, I love it. I love it. I love him at the end where he's dying. He's like, Django! <laughs> like, he's on the floor. <laughs> but anyways, I, I know we're, t- we're talking about Kill Bill. But um, 
I just wanted to. I, like, I do love the way he screams when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio dies, though. And he like it, it's like he's watching like his like wealth slip through his fingers. He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the back to our uh, topic at hand, Volume One. Yes. Um. Well, I mean, what else? What else is, uh, is there to really kind of bring up? I mean, just like the intro is awesome too. Like, isn't the the intro is like. What's that song that it says in the key? Like, Bang Bang? My baby shot me down. Yeah, Bang Bang by Nancy Sinatra. <coughs> I mean, it's, yep, it's, it's, it's a... also good. Like, isn't it, it, doesn't it, like, isn't it like the cops that you, they walk into the church? Isn't that what, that's the first yeah, I scene? Think the, I think the very first shot of the film, though, is like the black and white. Um, you see Uma Thurman, like, bleeding on the ground. Well, well yeah, heavy, yeah. And it's Bill talking to her. But yeah, then it's the cops that like come and after and see like the aftermath of the massacre. Um, but um, can we also talk about uh, Gogo real quick? Oren's like right hand. Yeah, sure, go uh, ahead. Awesome. Go go go, like, go ahead. She's one of the best mini bosses in a in a in a, in a movie ever. <laughs> like she really is. She's so deadly with her like spiked ball on a chain, like <laughs> doing her like <laughs> like a little schoolgirl laugh. It, it, it is um, very, it, you're right, it's so anime, no, I wouldn't say anime, like, anime is a reference oh, to, to Japanese, well, it, it's, it's Asian. It's very Japanese, yes, it's, it's, yes. it's that kind of, um, you know, because you have those kind of characters, even the live action films, too, like, you still have that there. Sure, um, sure. But no, uh, Gogo is 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 is, 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 is awesome, like, I just, <laughs> but I, lo- I love the Crazy 88s so much more. I, lo- I love that. I-, I love that the fact, though, that her- the the main actor, the actor of the Crazy Eights, the main character, like he's the he's the actor that plays the, the master that she gets trained by. I may, yeah. Which his that name is, that uh, scene, his name is Gordon Liu. He's an awesome, like he's been in great stuff. Gordon Liu, he's like a martial arts master now, like the, actor. Her being trained was in the first movie too, right? Or p- uh, parts of it were. No, that's in the second one. Was that? In the and that's one? why. Yeah. Okay, you can segue. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, sorry. I was was like, oh, crap, did we already tell them? I forgot. Uh, No, yes, my favorite is is Kill Bill Volume 2. Like, I like them both. I like them both. I like them as one complete thing. And it's very, like, very slimly that Volume 2 has. And it is a lot of it for the Pai Mei stuff. Because I love seeing the Mm -hmm. training. I loved, I just loved seeing... Bill coming down the stairs after he like made his introduction. He was like, he was like, I, he brought her to his temple, and he's like coming down the stairs and he's like bloodied up and he's all bruised. And she's like, "Did you get into a fight?" And he's like, "Yeah, friendly fight." And he's like, "He'll he'll he'll take you." It, uh, it's weird like, seeing like Uma Thurman's character like when she's young, like she doesn't yeah. seem like she's a killer yet. Like it's like the way that they did they she acts in those scenes like when she's really early on is really interesting. It's yep. almost like a very yep. different character, and I, I, I like that. She managed to sell it like that, like kind of being a little bit naive and like really looking up to Bill, which makes it a, like a lot more meaningful, I guess, when you do get the final confrontation between them. Mm-hmm. And, and really, like any scene with David Carradine in this, in either film, even though it's very limited in the first one, is, is just worth watching. Like he really chews it up. He's just compelling. Like, I can't, you can't take your eyes off of him once he starts talking. That's what really gets me about uh, the second one. Mm-hmm. But, 
Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think who was like a notable like mini boss in uh, the second movie. Bud, I guess he wasn't really like too much of a. No, I mean Daryl Han- Daryl really, Daryl like, Hannah. Fight. Daryl Hannah's character, I think, wily. was the was the, the the big fight. I think before yeah. she gets the belt. I love like, when Bud's character. I love when she throws the uh, the uh, chewing tobacco juice in her face, and she like wipes her eyes and just like gross. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> but uh but bud was that was an interesting thing though because he just buries her alive right yeah. Yeah. and with his what was the one line he says i love the one line he says like uh wakey wakey eggs and pick <laughs> 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 um but he, no like he like, shot her with rock salt yeah ouch ouch <laughs> But um, no, like I love the scene where she is buried alive and she she like is able to like get the, that's where I think you get the training. Um, is that is in when she's in that? Yeah, when she's in the, in the coffin, coffin trying to or the and, wood like casket whatever trying to bust out, bust out of it and stuff. And I've always wondered how that would like physically work. <laughs> like if she were to bust out, like wouldn't she be buried like with like. I don't. Like, well, I, is I she love, like digging really fast? Because you just see her like. like is she like going, going really fast? Like swimming, <laughs> swimming through the dirt up. Yeah, I know. I, I, I love mean, that. I, love that I, I guess it was freshly dug up dirt, so it wouldn't be like hard to get through. I guess, but I feel like the weight would make it hard. <laughs> but I guess I guess physics, like you know, it's moving down. You move up. It, it should work out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, you can swim through dirt. I think if, it, if it's moving fast enough. I don't know. It's a weird, like you know, like one of those it's like, a cool, side it's a, shots of like underground. It's a, it's a cool shot. I'll give it that though. It is a really, really cool shot. But like, it's it's uh, it's hard. It's like I was like think about it. It's very silly. <laughs> but no, I, the the second movie is is good. Uh, I guess like I think the only reason it doesn't like jump up higher in me is like the, the I, I think I overhyped myself for the confrontation with Bill, and I guess he just threw me off a little bit with the way he, he handled. You know, which I, I actually, I like. It's not like I don't like the way he did it. Like, I don't like, it's, I still appreciate it because it makes sense. Like, you learn the end of the, the first movie that Bill, you know, her daughter's alive. So now, it, you're already kind of like, I remember when that movie had ended and we are waiting for the next one. It's like, how is she going to have a conversation? Like, when she has to learn that her daughter's alive. And me, I didn't even initially think that. But after all said and done, I'm like, Oh, her daughter's alive, and she's right in this house. And yep. what do we expect to happen? Like, what's going to happen? It is not. It is not what anybody was planning on, right? Because I mean, like, right before that, she's in like the car, like talking to the audience. It's like I'm going to kill Bill. Yep. You know, like it's like black and white. And then she gets there, and there's her daughter. And in, in a way, it's like this is the perfect move, like the villain would do in a movie, like. Not mm-hmm. in a movie, but like if you if a villain was really thinking, how do I win in this situation? How do I get out of this? You know, I know she's coming for me, um, and it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna pull at her heart. I'm going to yeah. show her her daughter, and I'm gonna show her I've been raising her daughter. And yeah, it's crazy, and and just like how tense it is, and how Uma Thurman just like wants to like embrace her, but at the same time is like always like watching Bill. And after she gets put to bed, and Bill shoots her with a with a truth serum dart, like <laughs> another like bit of forgot about that part. Fantasy. Yeah, it's right. I like I like that. 
but that's when you get his awesome conversation about uh, yeah. monologue about Superman and and uh, Clark Kent and how he could never really believe that Uma Thurman would settle down, and she confirms it. You know, she's and he's like, "Do you think you really could live the life of Arlene Plimpton or whatever her fake name was?" And she's like, "No." Yeah. He's like, "All right, I just wanted to know." And he In a way, he one. kind of like wins a little bit because he's yeah. like. I, I, I got the answer that I've been looking for. I need to watch the second one again. I watched the first one recently. I haven't seen the second one in ages. And A lot uh, of people that didn't like the first one liked the second one. And I feel it yeah. is that kind of like East-West thing. And you yep. and I are kind of familiar with both, so we yeah. like both. Yeah. But a lot of people were like yeah. turned off. But we like definitely the, lean, like, you know, we lean, we lean one way or the other. But, like, it's like we like, yeah, we love both. Because we, we appreciate Quentin Tarantino movies, obviously. We, we've talked about that yep. enough this episode. But it's... It's such a such a unique way to do a movie. Like, I think there's a version where you can watch it all in one sitting, and there's like an intermission part or something like that. I would um, like to do that. I feel like it. I, I, it would be a very different watching experience yeah. to do them both back to back like that. But, but um, I, I know we can go on and on. It's like sort of a mini bonus episode. Kind of felt like this. This uh, I know, last yeah, section. Focus in on. So one, if you haven't listened or seen, heard any of our bonus episodes, this is kind of what it's like. A little bit longer formed. But yeah, yeah. No, it's very close. We deep dive into one particular topic. But uh yeah, but yeah Kill Bill Definitely 1 and 2. Check those out. That's our answer. I like that yes. answer. It Kill works. Bill. It, that's it... our answer. <laughs> <laughs> Playing favorites, endorses Kill Bill. Uh, but Justin, why don't you tell us, what's on the bill for next week? What are we going to be doing? Well, speaking of fighting... <laughs> um... But and and we're actually it's coming out around Thanksgiving, so it works out too. Uh, we're gonna yes. do, we're gonna do favorite fighting game. We haven't done video games in a while, oh, and I, I, this is gonna be a fun one because I really don't know where it's gonna go. I, I really I have some thoughts. Sure, but I sure, I, 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 I think there's gonna be some unique surprises. Who knows? I'm looking forward to having this conversation because it's there's a lot more here to talk about than I thought at first glance. And then uh, when I was kind of I, I was doing recently, just kind of like going through and looking at fighting games I've played, and I was like, I've played I should, I've played a ton of these games. <laughs> you and know, it was like bringing just, down, like yeah, bringing just... all these like waves of nostalgia, <laughs> uh, playing like Super Nintendo fighting games or arcade fighting games or yep. the first janky ones for the PlayStation One. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Give me uh, a fun conversation. One, one that will not be come up in our conversation, we could talk about it, though, is uh, Terragasai, the Star Wars oh. fighting game. Um, <laughs> We're going to bring that up? No, I've never played it, so I can't really say much. But just so you know, I like doing Star Wars into things. That won't happen. Uh, yeah. That game sucked. God, I wanted to love that game, but God, did it suck. So hard. Oh, Masters well. of Terragasai. <laughs> well, anyways, that's a not... Woman. Yes. Go ahead. I'm just saying there was a woman with a robot arm. That was that was her character. She was bad. She had a robot arm. I yeah. Yep. I don't know. She was the master they, of terrorists. They they referenced that in Solo. They brought it back. That that phrase. That's what Terrace Yeah, that's what she. That's the type of uh, uh, martial arts she knows. Uh, uh, what's her name's character? The girl character. Oh, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, she knows Terrace Targaryen. I love that shout out personally. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I did not know they did that. <laughs> yep. That's funny. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Yes. Well, this has been 
playing favorites. I'm Paul. And I'm Justin. Let's do it again next time.